Hello, and welcome to The Movement. This episode was recorded as part of The Movement Live series on Instagram. The Movement Live is hosted by 776 BC founder and Olympic silver medalist Cameron Mackenzie McCarg and Tokyo Olympic gold medalist Lucy Steffen. This week has Tokyo bronze medalist Cam Girdleston on to discuss his Tokyo experience and how you can develop a great crew. Oh, there he is. Hey, Cam. How you going? Oh, yeah. Good. You are... Now, that place behind you looks familiar. Yeah, I thought I'd get a, uh, a, a nice backdrop for everyone to see. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the N- NTC uh, in Canberra in the men's centre. I went for a... Uh, few of us went for a, uh, a row this morning with uh, the great Andrew Randell, which was nice. So I thought, well, why don't I stay here and get a nice backdrop with a few of the, a few of the teammates and a few of the, uh, the medalist crews from all the world championships over the last cycle. So a nice backdrop for everyone to see, hey? There you go. Well, I mean, it's I've, that wall and that sort of room is pretty um, familiar to me. And like there's some good times and then there's some hard times in that room. So, so. Yeah, that's it. I just I'm can't sure believe... That- you're there. Yeah, well, there um, there is some um, there's there is some permission um, and we're sort of COVID safe and uh, rulings. We've got to um, wear our masks and uh, do everything. But there is some uh, uh, certification and some uh, some people that in the in, in Canberra Health that you're allowed to row um in small groups. So we're um, we've been able to do that. Sort of some of the coaches are down and which is great. Andrew Randell and uh, Mark Prater and um, have been taking some small groups out. So yeah, no, we're very lucky. Well, good. I wasn't. No, it was more. I wasn't going to try to pull you up and whether you're doing something wrong. It's. I was. I'm amazed that you're back in the training centre, going for a row. But it's obviously you yeah, well, We've got it's, Lucy. It's, it's quite a nice. It's, it's good therapy, Cam. It's quite nice. It's sort of. Uh, it's it's keeping me sane. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. That is true. And Lucy's joined us um, from the car in. <laughs> and we're, we're, where are you sitting in the car, Lucy? Tell us. I'm on the boundary of nil to try and get a good reception because at home on the farm, the reception's crap. So I've um, <laughs> I've driven into nil. Um, probably not as good as viewers cam. Just uh, got a car, got a paddock. Oh. Got the Western <laughs> Highway. You know, all the good things. Well, there's, and I'm guessing, uh, Lucy, you haven't gone for a row in nil this morning. No, no, a bit of a run. No row. No row. Yeah. Yeah, Lucy's um, up some serious Ks, Cam. She's going to be a mar- marathon runner before we know it. <laughs> well, I was about to say marathon runner before we know it. Lucy, you have run a marathon? Yeah. Yeah, I did one. Yeah, I did one after. Well, when I when we failed to qualify in 2016 in the women's eight, I um, started training and then we obviously got the call up and then went to the Olympics, which was amazing, but kind of came home and still felt very like incomplete because I'd set my mind to do this thing for two months and hadn't done it. So I stumbled through a marathon. It was extremely painful, but I got through it. Um, yeah, quite traumatized from it, but I did it. So yeah, well, that's, we'll see. Yeah. It's a bucket list thing. And yeah, uh, well, we should, that's it. We should uh, sort of kick off officially, Cam, but um, obviously, Welcome to. I, we haven't got an official name for this, Lucy. In terms of our, well, maybe nice. we do. Maybe um, I've I've been told the official name, but this <laughs> the is the Cam and Lucy live. chat. The Cam, Cam and Lucy show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but obviously no, really um, great to get you on, Cam, because you know, I mean, your rowing career and um, and then obviously you know, sort of what occurred in Tokyo was just awesome to follow and watch and then um and then in particular the the final of the men's quad uh for any rower or non-rower out there anyone that just loves a bit of drama in sport and sort of you know it was it was an amazing race and um and i mean look you're in the middle of it so obviously i'm sure that you're sort of um you're not aware of all the things that were going on but hopefully you've you've watched it a few times since i imagine yeah, yeah, there's been a few times where I've uh, reflected uh, on it and sort of different parts of it. And, um, yeah, there's different pe- uh, parts that people say, oh, did you see this part? Or what about this crew? Or this happened? And um, t- talk us through it. But, no, nah, Cam, like, I'd just sort of to put it in perspective of, like, that whole sort of probably 
from getting on the water to getting to the start line. So like we're, we're sort of the way Tokyo was set up, everyone would have seen sort of the, the race course. And then behind the race course on the other side was where you warmed up and we're warming up and um, the women's force sort of at the 1200 meter mark and they're in front and we're like, yeah, go the girls. Like they're on here, like look at them go. And then All right, carry on with our warm up. Off we go, sort of a couple of builders, bit of off the back work. And then we had to stop again because you've got to stop when the races go past and the men's four comes past. And we're like, yeah, the boys there got half a length up, like they're on here. Like, and then 10 minutes before our start time, it's like, well, it's our turn now, fellas. No pressure here, just two, two gold medals. So off we go into the blocks. Um, and then we sort of roll into the blocks and um, to sort of uh, give everyone sort of, sort of like a feeling of what Tokyo start line was like. It was, it was used for a flight path direction for all the jumbo jets and the planes going into the, the I think the local airport there was Narita. I'm pretty sure. I think Lewis, is that right? Anyway, that yeah, was very low, so. like One extremely, extremely low, very loud. Um, so you had those flying over and that'd be in the two minute call and you hear this big jumbo jet come over. And oh, so they're still they're, flying over your head. Yeah, yeah, they're still flying over. And so um, they had to sort of like um, coordinate race, like the times of when they called two minutes or what, what communications they do. And then the, the drone... Like they had at the start lines, like a small helicopter because they didn't have the big zip line camera. So that going off, there was a bridge of all these like trucks sort of right at the start line. So it was from a like a distraction point of view and noise and lot going on there. That was probably the most distracting start line. It wasn't like Cirque where it's just trees and that's it. Like just a couple of people. Like it was, there was stuff going on everywhere. And then you've got the nose cones that come up and it was windy. And so there was a lot going on. Um, but sort of probably the biggest memory for us that sort of sit on the start line. And one of the big things I get, Cam, is like, what's going through your head when you sit on the start line? It's like, well, what we used to talk about and we sort of reflected was just get the first stroke right. The rest will sort of uh, sort of come, come to play. Like, that's all you can do, right? Like, you can only sort of focus on the first one and get it right, not try and put a, pull the rigour off type thing. So we had this big call of um, just come back to our anchor. Um, and that was our really big key word. And Caleb in the two minute call was just like, fellas, remember the anchor. And then that sort of just was that real inner uh, sort of strength that we had as a crew that what we did sort of throughout training, um, sort of what really prepared us. It's sort of, we don't rise to the occasion of the Olympic final. We fall back to what we've done in training. And that's sort of what we, what we really sort of keyed on to is what consistently are we going to do in training that come the Olympic final are we going to execute? And I think that sort of really helps with that, the the mind fog and what's going on around you just really honing in on what's your job and what's your role and really trusting in that and having that confidence so um so to give people a bit of an insight and not sort of talk too much rowing talk it's just that that's what's going through our heads like i i, I truly believe like for for our crew like it was that absolute trust in our anchor and that and that absolute sort of knowing what your job is and how you're going to deliver for the three guys that are, are sitting around you um that that you have done for the lead up it's not about changing it anything and then sort of the and then the 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 green light went and then we were so we'd had a much better start than our than our heat and um sort of carried on sort of to other parts of the race obviously everyone sort of would have seen that the conditions were probably there was a cross breeze there was tail breeze there was crews catching crabs there was there's the, well, just to just to go back to the start um are you recalibrating or talking about conditions amongst you know the sort of the four of you like are you saying okay it's a bit or did it feel tricky and, and it was something that you were going to have to manage or was it just like yeah it's a, it's a good good question cam like i think sort of when we had our like the heat was like our first race um as a crew um and, and in two years and i think we sort of we had a good we had a good heat and we did um sort of the job at hand which was to qualify for the a, a final but we knew as a crew um and, and with mark our coach that uh, we can do better than that, and, and we're going to need to do better than that if we want to execute a top performance in the final. Um, and we never really spoke about sort of, oh, conditions this, we'll do this, or like, let's change this, or it's just at the end of the day, really trusting in, in how we wanted to move the boat. And, and our anchor um, was all about how we how we place the blade in the water, put the blade in smooth, connect down low and stay relaxed, don't bring it up into the shoulders. And I think we had maybe a little bit of that maybe in the heat and so from the heat to the final in our preparation rows we really honed in on sort of just coming back to basics and that was sort of the belief and trust in our anchor um and so come come the final yes okay we knew it was going to be blowy probably in the second thousand um we probably did, didn't know it was going to be like that blowy because it was on the verge of sort of like a 
unrollable tail breeze. Like it was pretty wild in that last thousand. But I think sort of in all honesty, we were so in tune with sort of, I guess, what we were doing uh, for the boat and for each other that um, we set the race up a lot better in the first 500, first 250 especially. Um, you would have sort of seen the first 250 in the quad final was pretty was pretty tight. Okay, we weren't sort of, we didn't have like, half length or the bow ball was in front, but we were right there. Um, and I do feel like we hit a much smoother rhythm, um, hit our sort of mid-race rhythm a lot better than what we did in the final. And that was something, oh, then the heat, sorry. And that was something that we definitely wanted to do. And then through the guts of it, um, sort of through second five, it blew quite cross tail, but um, from the bow side, but we sort of handled that a lot better. And I've never rode under a bridge before. Like that was the first race I've ever rode under a bridge. So like that was all new to me as well. And sort of um, going through that. And some of the guys had rode a Bulgaria. I know there was a bridge there and some different courses. But that was a very, uh, I've obviously rode under bridges on the Yarra and bigger bridges, but not like that in a 2K race. So that was quite new to me. And then coming to the last sort of second thousand, Cam, like it was moving pretty quick and like Lukey sort of reflects some of the numbers that he was seeing on his stroke coach in the stroke seat on the in the third 500 he's like we were moving quite fast um yeah and then in the last in the last like an, and a good feeling fast or sort of yeah, just one like of those I feelings sort of like, like out of control fast no I think it was, it was he's like it was definitely like that sort of third 500 I think we sort of started to feel that sort of like okay we're moving in tune with the boat here we're moving quite free like we're getting some good return here we're not sort of putting the boat on edge and it could have sort of fall away at any time um and then coming into the last sort of 500 um caleb in the two seat makes the calls and we sort of we knew we were always strong um to come home we knew we could come home really well and probably in my seat i, I just absolutely trust his call and i don't i don't really do the i don't personally like to look because i, tr I trust the eyes and the ears behind me um and just coming to the last 500 and 300 he goes i need two seats now give it to me and we just like you just don't ask the questions you just commit and then coming to the last 150 is like i need another seat which for the listeners it's like we were behind a seat so we needed to sort of we call margins off sort of in rowing off seats so we had to bring our boat up uh in front of someone by an extra call it a foot or two foot um and the last call was just like go for it and then we crossed the line and we sort of I kind of didn't really know like where we'd at because obviously I just might like just tuned so tuned into what Lukey was doing and just serve it like delivering for Lukey. And then Caleb looks up and goes, fellas, look at there's AOS in third. We got third and there's like a little sort of six boats um, on the digital screen. And like, I don't think I've ever claimed a bronze as much as in my life as I, as I did at the in Tokyo, but it meant so much to us like Cam and like for us as a crew, like three debutons, um, what we did in four months, like, I'll remember that for a lifetime. And there's a photo that sort of I've seen and sort of me like this fist pumping through like the roof. And I was just like, I don't care. Like we did, we, we, we achieved so much and that, that meant so much to us as a crew. So, um, and I just, yeah, that moment of last 300 where Caleb just says, I need two seats now and then give me another seat. And I'm like, we all clearly, clearly remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, sorry. I think on that note, Cam, from like, obviously we trained on the team together and then, you know, myself and Maxie, we're both sweepers. So a lot of us are very used to, we, we can't be by ourselves. Like we always need that person in the boat with us. Is it weird? Like, obviously you spend a majority of the domestic season in your single skull and the way from observation and even just you talking about your crew, you guys are such a tight net group of like the four boys and in it together. And you had such a good, I guess, crew dynamic. Did you guys have to work hard for that? Is it hard going from the single into that real have to, like you said, that real trust to listen to Caleb and real trust in Luke when, when you're in the single, you're so used to doing all that yourself? Like, I guess yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a really good question. That? Yeah, like from a, from a scaling perspective, like we're sort of, we do a lot of, a lot, a lot of work in, um, in the singles and sort of developing your, your, your base and your skill level to then transfer into the double, then to transfer into the quad, um, the process that sort of we went through this year. And um, I think sort of probably the biggest thing personally for me that I came back to, and they probably reflect a little bit about uh, my time during COVID last year was um, getting my single um, back to the best that I can be. And I think sort of leading into trials last year before the postponement, I probably wasn't moving the boat as sweet as I wanted it to. It just probably wasn't um, the best I could be. Um, and so I used a lot of COVID to really sort of 
um, have a single and get back to sort of really sort of what makes the boat um, move at the single level for me well. Like, how do I be consistent? How do I move it efficiently? And what are some of the best races I've done? And what have I and 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 reflecting on that? Um, and I think sort of when you can get that sort of single skull sort of uh, for yourself, sort of moving well and efficient, and you and um, that can then transfer into the doubles. Uh, it gives you that confidence that sort of like when you get into the double and then in the quad, we had this or definitely for myself, but I think it largely from that, from the quad was that, that mindset of sort of what do I need to do to make you look better and vice versa? What are they sort of thinking about to make me look better? Because ultimately you want people to want to row with you um, because of what you, you bring to, um, out of them. Um, and that's that mindset that I work sort of on this year is sort of how do, what do I need to do for the guys around me? Or if we go into the double rotations, I, I was in a few of the stroke seats and sort of what do I need? What's my job here to, to help Caleb or Luke or Jack or some of the combinations I row? I've got to be consistent. I've got to know my job. And so then they feel like they can really do their job for me and vice versa. And I think that then naturally carried over into the quad and um, probably from our sort of first race at trials, Luce, like we just had this real um, appreciation for each individual aspect of, of each characteristic or like why, why are we going to own this seat and what, and, and what does it mean to us and just getting onto the job. And, and, and I think from starting, we started from a very like, let's just keep it simple. Let's just, um, let's just get it, go out there and have a bit of a sort of feel for how we're moving. Let's sort of collaborate. Let's not have this, like we're going to row this way and this way only, or like, this is the way I do it. Like we've got to do it this way. Yeah. We were very open. And I think we developed um, and got quite good at um, the way that we communicated, but also, became better listeners for each other as well, how we really listened to each other and sort of um, what each person sort of contributed to the boat. Sort of like Lukey uh, had spent time with the ACTAS program and sort of had been doing some some really good work of developing his skills. So what can he bring to the boat and what has he been really successful with? What had I been sort of been doing over the last 12 months? Caleb's consistency over the cycle and what does he do? Jack's sort of really uh, sort of rise to success this season or what what sort of parts can we really tap into? And it's sort of that idea of like, how do we, I guess, basically really sort of tap into that um, sort of strength of each other that brings to the crew and really being accepting of that. But then ultimately deciding on the way that we wanted to row the boat uh, collectively um, and sticking to that, not sort of, yeah, there was little changes here and there throughout the season. But ultimately I think we had a very clear way that we wanted to move the boat at steady state and what we thought at steady state was going to transfer ultimately up to speed. So that's the yeah. big um, thing that I think we did quite well um, is probably answering that question as a crew together um, quite early on. Um, and that sometimes yeah. doesn't happen and you might have to work on it, but I think it's at the end of the day, like we're all humans, like we're all got to interact yeah. with each other. We sit a foot away from each other three times a day K after K after K. And I don't, if I think in my experience this year, and I think Carson and Jimmy taught that in 2016 um, and being new to being a debutante to Sasha and I is that you've got to be able to really interact and know those people that you're working with to, to know how to get the best out of them. And that might not happen on the water. That might happen away from the sheds. That might yeah, happen at a dinner you. or... A... And Cam, just, just to jump in, is that sort of, yeah, interesting to know. Like, is that a lot of work that you're doing off the water and a lot of meetings and conversations or is it something that sort of, you know, you're not trying to force but you're trying to, um, I suppose, have the right conversations at the right time to build the alignment. And Because, I mean, I think the interesting thing to sort of just talk about is, so the standard rule book to prepare for an Olympic Games was torn up, you know, pretty convincingly at the start of 2020. And then, you know, yeah. you've got a combination of guys that, hasn't had a lot of time together in the boat, no international racing, you know, and then even to the Olympic uh, racing format itself, you know, you have your heat and then straight into the final. So, you know, I think what's amazing about your combination is, one, your ability to bring it together and look like a combination that it's sort of, you know, had years together. Um, and two, on the back of no international racing, just having you know, that level of confidence and sort of certainty of what you're doing internally in the boat is, is it, yeah, is it a combination of sort of a lot of work off the water in meetings or, you know, what's, what's yeah, the sort of special think, stuff there? Yeah, it's, it's, as you're sort of just asking that question, Cam, I was sort of reflecting um, 
for for how we approach it. I think a big part of it, it's got to be natural. It's just got to come naturally. It's got to be a bit organic and you've sort of got to bring out your true self. It's not that you, that we sort of had to change who we are. It's just about sort of being who you are as a person and bringing out the best in, in yourself, but ultimately sort of uh, everyone else having that sort of idea as well um, to then finding ways that it can sort of naturally and organically happen. I think if it's too rigid and too structured and, um, meeting after meeting and there's too much dialogue, maybe it might not hit the mark. Whereas I think we had a quite a good um, balance of um, good reflection, um, good debriefing. We wouldn't over debrief sessions. Um, but I think what we um, probably did quite well was that we just naturally let it sort of find its path initially. And then we sort of really sort of ingrained that as we went along. And so I guess what I mean by that is, um, really understanding those around you and how to sort of a communicate with them. Are you, do you do it in the boat? Is it direct or is it sort of a conversation maybe away from rowing and just sort of a one-on-one or is it what's your point where you need to listen or a little bit more or sort of what point throughout the season could we allow that person to be the leader or to be the speaker or to make the decision, not just solely just one person or, feeling that sort of weight. I think we did a really good job of allowing each other at different points of the season to lead the boat, to give their import, to feel that they were um, making the decision or having that sort of everyone sort of sharing in their interests. So, and, and Mark allowed us sort of, Mark Prater, the coach, really allowed that to sort of organically happen from us. Um, but I think the big thing as we got closer to the games, um, Cam was, I spoke about um, our anchor um, and sort of coming back to that sort of, that sole focus and we'd finish conversations. At the end of the day, we'll come back to what is going to move the boat fast at the Olympic Games and we'd think about our anchor. And so that would, I guess, bring our, our mind or our thought processing all back to the same page. And our anchor, and this was something that sort of Scotty Brennan sort of uh, shared with us at a gold medal ready camp, which was we really resonated with this idea of an anchor when, and when everything's sort of swirling on and you feel like you're getting taken away from other parts of your life or in a race or during a season or during a training block or a week or whatever, what can bring you back and what can keep you grounded? And for us, it was our anchor of place the blade in smooth, connect down low and stay relaxed. And if we did that well and we, we thought sort of that, that we could bring ourselves back to that, that allowed us, I think, sort of that real clarity of what we were doing um, throughout the week. And then when we approached the simulation regattas, we had that real uh, sort of real centered focus. And then ultimately coming Olympic Games, I think it was just time to just sort of replicate and, um, and execute that um, just with being fresher and being a bit more alerted. That idea that sort of the boat doesn't know if you're sort of on the Olympic final at Tokyo or on the, uh, at the, at here at, uh, out, out of Canberra, it's just the four heads in the boat. And I think we really approached that idea of, having that key anchor for us and, and every opportunity we got to sort of produce that under pressure or really put ourselves under a bit of pressure. We really sort of focused on trying to simulate pressure, trying to put out, expose ourselves to what is it going to feel like in the, at the Olympic games, ultimately understanding that you can't replicate an Olympic final, but we did as much as we could to try and do that um, and put pressure yeah. on ourselves to, <laughs> to really unlock what potentially could happen if this, uh, scenario happens, how are we going to react? What's people feeling? So we, we really, I guess, left no stones unturned and we really all bought into that idea. It's, um, and Lucy, I mean, like when we chatted about your campaign and, and sort of your um, cruise focus, sort of it sounds like the key theme is to not overcomplicate things. I mean, it's, it's one of those cliches it's a cliche for a reason because, yeah. and it's, I mean, the same in our sort of Beijing campaign where um, you know, we had some success is that, you know, the, sim the simplicity of, of the things that we're trying to work on, you know, you could take into a school crew, you could take into a club crew and, and that, you know, sounds like, oh, there must be so many more things as an Olympic crew you're working on. And, and I think some of the skill within the Olympic campaigns is, is to make it feel as simple as possible is sort of, you know, and, and for both of you, I mean, like you're both, you know, gone through uh, multiple Olympic campaigns now, you know, is, is that, you know, some of the key, you know, sort of um, lessons that you've learned from it? Lucy, you know, maybe sort of, yeah. you know, going back think, to the conversation we had, you, yeah. you had a really simple approach. 
I th- and I think that's the thing. And it's really, you know, upon reflection, I've been in good crews and I've been in not so good crews. And the ones when you're in it and when you're in that simple mindset, it's so easy to just stay in it and you know it's working. But I feel like when you start scrambling and you can get a bit lost and it could be the slightest thing, but it's very hard to bring it back if you don't know, like Cam mentioned about having the anchor for us in the fort, it was our fire. Um, and I'm glad like actually, Cam, you, you detailed what the anchor was because initially I was like, you don't want to talk about rowing and anchors. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't throw out any anchors. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I think that's that's it. It was like ours was the fire and it's like everything else melts away and all that's left in the boat is you in your rhythm and nothing throws us off that. Um, and I think that's it. So if you can and set those things out before you get on the water, I think those things don't come naturally and you think it might be silly to be like, oh, let's think of a word that brings us back to what we have to work on. And you, you might find that's quite like almost primary school level. But I think at the end of the day that it's, it is that simple, but it is so easy to overcomplicate it for sure. Mm. Yeah. I think like sort of um, like that, that messaging of like what Lucy and you were sort of saying there, Cam, like that, uh, what can resonate with all, all levels of roles is, is, is keeping it simple um, and, almost sort of not overthinking it. And that's sort of, for, for me, sort of personally, sort of that idea of sort of not overthinking it and sort of worrying about what others think is probably areas for myself that sort of areas of opportunity and sort of how do you really um, almost get out of your, your own way a little bit and give yourself every sort of chance to to bring out your, your true self. Um, and I think keeping it simple um, is, a, is a way to sort of really do that. And that might be within a crew, as we sort of sort of said, um, was we used to say like big picture focus. Like let's, what are the big drivers of the boat here and what's going to move the boat to start with? Let's not sort of pick the stroke from sort of catch to finish to finish to catch and what everything's doing. What are the big drivers here? And let's start with that focus, which is, I guess, really keeping it simple. So that then, I guess, organically then sort of quite became quite clear for us to find our anchor. And we sort of said, well, it's how we put the blade in the water. It's got to be direct, but it's got to be relaxed. So if we had that focus, we sort of found that throughout training that, oh, our the, the togetherness and the flatness and our finishes got a lot, a lot tidier, a lot cleaner. The boat ran a lot area, easier. So then we reflect and be like, well, the anchor's working. Let's stay on this focus. Let's not go off and think about the leg drive or think about how flat we need to row or what the number is because we would just feel like each person was really feeling the result of, that one terminology or that one key focus, we didn't have to worry about all the other stuff, um, which allowed everyone to sort of optimize truly what they can bring to the boat and really bring out their best self um, and really feel like they're delivering to that common goal. And I think that's for any school kid or school girl out there that sort of um, knowing sort of clearly what your role is, keeping that simple, but having the confidence to say to say to yourself that I'm my role here is, I'm going to really deliver for our crew goal, but I'm getting a lot of confidence and we're going fast because of what I'm doing and keeping it sort of that type of mindset, not sort of overcomplicating it for yourself because I think rowing can be sort of become, it's quite a complex movement with lots of different parts, but at the end of the day, that's sort of, it can be broken down to sort of some simple things. And I think if you, it's got to like those, it's got to come through communication. It's got to come through interactions. You've got to have a voice. You've got to listen to each other that there might be someone in your crew that might just have the perfect word for you guys. And if you don't give that person the voice or that opportunity to share it, then you might not never know. So it, it does come back to crew interaction and everyone being on the same, same level. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Um... And I, it's a, it's a respect and it's a respect that you have for each other. And it's almost getting to that finish line, knowing that, you're like, oh, we couldn't have won that if it wasn't for me and not and not feeling like a passenger. Um, it adds so much to it. And it's not necessarily like for you, there was you in the cruise, like two times, you know, you'd won your silver medal and done really well. And then you had Jack who hadn't rode internationally, I think since 2016. But from observation, like you guys, you always gave respect to every single person who had a bum on, those, on a seat in that boat. And I think it's, it's a huge there'd be so many people that would say, oh, Cam's just leading that crew and they're just all little Indians and listening to what he says with three debuts and you having a silver medal. But it wasn't like that at all. It was so, there was such a level and how you guys communicated and spent time together. Like it was just, as us girls in the four, like we were so drawn to it because we were like, 
oh, it's just like so refreshing in the fact that there's, it's a, it's a crew and it's a part of it all. And yeah, I think it was definitely really, really special to, uh, I guess, watch it and a privilege to be on the team with it as well, for sure. Yeah. Thanks, Lucy. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think sort of, sorry, Cam, I just sort of, that for, for me personally, just like for me and sort of almost I sort of was taught from my experience in, in, in Rio with, with Carson and Jimmy and that idea of sort of um, number one, um, sort of what you, you picked an Olympic boat. Okay, how do we train like Olympians? But how do we train like we're, um, we're going there to, to be successful and, and opening up my mindset and sort of that approach um, that um, you've been given this opportunity and how do we seize that opportunity and how do we get the most out of each other and what's not written in the program that we need to find. Um, and I think sort of, for me, naturally, like um, I'm personally someone that likes to sort of get to know people, share, like share things with others. And I think that sort of just, we organically sort of um, sort of found how do we connect with each other sort of um, and really appreciate each other and, and what they bring to the crew. Like, um, yeah. So for like for Jack, for example, he hasn't raced internationally since 2016. He sit on the, the start line of a Tokyo Olympic heat and then an Olympic final. Um, but I know for a fact that the, the work that we did throughout the season um, on that anchor, on that focus, on what we were going to execute and how our mind was going to be on the start line allowed him that opportunity to sit there and just know exactly what he needed to do. Um, and we, we all embraced that idea and allowed everyone that sort of opportunity to sit on that start line with a clear mind. And at the end of the day, it's like we're doing it for, our, we're doing it for each other, fellas. Don't you reckon... Um... Like I reckon a theme sort of that runs through these conversations is being part of a crew where you just know everyone's got your back. And mm, so absolutely. sitting on the start line and, and even sort of, you know, during training sessions, just that feeling that you're part of something where everyone in that crew has got your back. And the, the amount of confidence that, that builds amongst the team is, is amazing because you sort of feel like, you know, through the tough stuff you can sort of get through, but also that, you know, that environment on the start line of an Olympic final, like it's, it is a stressful environment and there's so many, and as you were saying, all these distractions and, and the confidence to go back to and just go, I know everyone in this crew has got my back and then I know we've got, you know, some, just a really simple thing that we need to go and execute on is, um, mm. but the, yeah, the, the idea that sort of everyone in your crew and I mean, and that's sort of then on you too, sort of be backing up everyone that's sort of been there. But um, I think that's one of the sort of key things. And then actually, I mean, to go back a few um, steps from the Olympic uh, event itself, like obviously with, you know, the Olympics being shifted from 2020 to 2021, um, we spoke to sort of Lucy about, you know, just, you know, the, the journey of trying to mentally get through the first bit of sort of, you know, disruption of the news and then how do you... <laughs> you know, sort of get your sort of space, you know, head in a sort of space where you can go, well, we're still aiming for something that's uncertain. And obviously, Cam, you've um, you've had a little boy. How, how old's your little man now? Uh, Paddy's eight months now. So, eight yeah, months. Don't, yeah. yeah, it's flown by. So, so even so the dynamic of, you know, family life and, I mean, like, how did you, how did you handle just the, you know, the new sort of, um, well, calendar and use sort of um, you know, distractions of a an Olympiad which was extending from a standard four years into five yeah it's um yeah it's, uh, I guess I've sort of spent some time sort of uh, sharing sort of my sort of 2020 and 2021 um, with a few audiences now and I think sort of um, for myself like coming into to 2020 trials um, I was ready to go and sort of um, wanting to, the, the quad was going to be the, the, the top boat picked and we, we knew that and sort of trialed and I was sort of moving the single well, but probably not at my best and sort of probably um, moving it like probably some of the best stuff I've done. And um, I was picked in the, in the double um, with Dave Bartolo. Um, we had to go to late qualifiers. It had to be qualified and we re uh, we hit the ground running here in Canberra and both really keen and um, knew that we could go there and do the job. And then, COVID struck, um, centres sort of shut down, everyone sort of back to their home locations and there was sort of a bit of sort of when is the, the centres going to reopen, what is it going to look like? Um, but for me, it was just like, well, I know I still want to be on the start line in Tokyo, like that doesn't change and I spoke to my wife about it and we were like, yeah, like just we've been, we've come this far, like you, you know what you need to do and like let's just continue with, with, with life, like it doesn't just stop here. Um, and that idea of 
how do I seize this opportunity that I've been given? What what can I do? Um, rather than just see it as a bit of a negative and, oh, there's no Olympics anymore. Like, I've got to train all the way till next year. And I was like, well, how do I get a single? How do I get an erg at home? I think I'm going to need a watt bike. I've got to keep training because that's what I know. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for routine and I've got to keep this routine up of as best I can because I know that that brings out the best of me rather than just get rid of everything that's been uh, you've been doing and just try and do something different try and think about ways that you can keep that little bit of consistency going because it obviously it, it had sort of worked for me up to a point but I had an opportunity to now get back in touch with the best Cam Gurlison that I could be and that was how do I move this single like the best I ever have and and why ultimately do I love the sport? Why, why do I want to be successful? Um, and so I went up to Sydney. I got a single um, through Sydney Uni and some help with then Swiss and Lizzie Chapman. I brought it back down here and I was out there um, every morning um, just loving sort of being back with just myself and the single, knowing that my competition in Tokyo is probably rowing maybe over in Europe right now and they might get a European championship in. So I need to be rowing. Like I need to be on the mm. water. Um, and that's what I do. I, I, it sounds silly, but I love training. Like I love that, that just you and the boat or you and the ergo or you and the weights, like that's when you find like the true self. And I think sort of largely I sort of saw it as a bit of a, an opportunity for me to, to get back to sort of some of my best stuff and, and probably the two, the opportunity also to, to, to work on that, that mindset of keeping it simple and work on that mindset of not, uh, worrying what other people think of you because um, it's just there was no one else around me so it was just me and the boat or me on the ergo and and a chance to sort of develop some other things away from rowing and so when we came back in sort of July time I guess I just had that sort of momentum and just hit the ground running and then sort of moved through through the second half of the year but I guess I used it as a chance to really know fundamentally what works for me and why am I going how am I going to be successful um I then carried it back into the program and um, with the, the program that we had to follow here in the center. But how do I know um, within me, how am I going to get the best out of myself? And when I go to trials, um, how am I going to execute the best performances that I can? I think largely a lot of my success in 2021, I built, um, rebuilt in 2020 um, and taken that opportunity that was in front of me um, with lockdown and, and getting back to some of the basics that I knew would help me um, be successful and, I think sort of ultimately there's a lot of people out there that are in a similar situation. They're at home with an ergo or they've got the weights or they're sort of, they want to be on the water. But I guess that sort of not seeing it as a negative or I'm tired of this or I've got performance fatigue. I can't sit on the ergo for an, a, like another 20 cases. It's just like, I can't do this. Break it down, keep it simple. Um, and just see this as an opportunity because I do think some of the, the characteristics that you will teach yourself at this time of sort of adversity or challenge will set you up for when the good times happen for you when you've got you're in your groove because you'll reflect on how you got through this. And it might be words such as I just hung in there or I just backed myself or I was resilient. Like those are some of the words that when you are succeeding and you are killing it, that you'll go like, yeah, I've got this because look what I got through last year. So I guess sort of did you, the biggest um, thing. Did you have any moments though? Where you, allowed, where you were frustrated or were sort of, you know, and you had to almost just give yourself a bit of a pep talk? Yeah, I guess sort of some sort of, sort of some mornings where you're like, yeah, yeah, it's it's cold more, camera morning and like you pull the blinds yeah, over your patio cold. and the, the, the ergo is staring right at your face and it's sort of, it's like it's five degrees or six degrees outside and like, how am I going to mentally do this? Um, but the first, like just even just starting like that just i would just sort of say you've just got to start like you've just got to you've got to get out there sit on that rowing machine put the shoes in and like just you've got to make a start here and 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 being also i think um realistic with yourself like if there are those moments and you've got a session or you want to get through something and you might not be feeling like you're going to hit pb today or you're going to hit the same numbers that you did when you were really fresh the next day like be really honest and realistic with yourself otherwise like you'll get halfway through and you'll be like I'm over this. Like, I'm not getting good numbers. Like, be really honest with yourself, I think. Um, and, and don't be afraid to also sort of just uh, break it down if you have to. Like, if you want to get through it, you'll find a way. But I think sort of being honest with yourself and sort of just that maybe it's just not my day-to-day, -day, but I'm going to do – I'm going to get through it and I'm going to hit these numbers, which is a couple of percent off 
where I want it to be, but I know that I'm going to get, I'm going to see this as an opportunity. Try not to make it as a, a checklist and a tick the box because mm. um, you want to almost feel like if this was the last session that I can do for the day or like for the week, because the rowing machine breaks, like how do I get the most out of it or, and get the most out of myself? I think it goes back to that, like a hundred percent of your hundred percent you can give that day. So it's like, it might be a morning you wake up, and you're, you're like, I'm only at 80%, like in terms of physically, mentally, I'm at 80%. But how do you get 100% of that 80%, if that makes sense? And I think that that's, it's always keeping it in perspective. And you can't PB every day. You can't be hitting great numbers every day. But there is a factor of getting through it and doing your best to get through it on that day, for sure. Mm. Yeah. And, so, um, and, and this keeps it that, that that idea of just sort of focusing on 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 quality um rather than just sort of just a, a tick the box like thinking of it as sort of the um okay you're sitting sitting on the ergo like the correlation of when you like when the school kids and the club guys and, and and everyone gets back on the water like what can I be doing now um that's going to help me when I when I get back on the water um and, and just really sort of it's a moment where you're going to have to think outside the box you're going to have to really sort of um, it's not, it's not easy thinking. Like it's not just, yeah, I go down to the shed, take the boat out, go for a row or the ergs in the shed or the weights are in the gym. You're going to have to get creative and really be brave enough to lean into sort of, um, different mindsets and different focuses. And Cam, the, uh, well, I'm not going to second guess given the location that you're in this morning is going to suggest that you, um, locked and loaded for Paris and, uh, and I'm always conscious not to. You know, when Olympic sort of athletes, they return and, they, and you know, one of the sort of you know, top three questions, are you going on? And sometimes it's too early to ask, but, but <laughs> I'll ask. Are you, are you going, going on? Are you going on? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to ask, but then you were at the National Training Centre this morning. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, I, so, thought, I'd give a nice, I thought I'd give a nice backdrop. So it sort it's of gave the context and theme to, for, the, for, the, for this session. But look, look I've sort of... For routine. Yeah, exactly. He's in his routine. Yeah. He's got, he's got a, he might he might pick up his routine or he might just let it taper away. But yeah. He can't just go yeah, cold yeah. turkey. Yeah, it's like it, exactly. So Lucy's dead set right there. So no, look, I um have been obviously sort of I think sort of my last sort of 12 14 um 18 months of what I've had are sort of um personally for me has been I couldn't have sort of scripted it any other way like and then from a family perspective and a life perspective and the and the um the birth of my first child, Patty, and what we had in January as a as a couple, like it was something that we'd been wanting for a while, and factoring that into our lives, and sort of a few sort of um, sort of setbacks along the way. But in that part of our life, like amazing, like just sort of just hugely, hugely uh, um, amazing, and such such a, a a memorable thing that we've shared sort of over the eight months, and sort of watching him grow, and and the incredible work of my wife allowing me to sort of go to Tokyo and achieve uh, achieve what I did, and supporting that is a big sort of I've got massive massive respect for that and um it is tough like it is it is hard like we've been we manage a few things and again I've, the support around me I, I really encourage every athlete out there to to get your support network close to you and really set that up because that's what uh gets the best out of you and, and provides you every opportunity to be successful and she's a big driving part of that um and the little fella as well um so i guess sort of going forward to to come back to your, your question there a little bit cam is there's a few things on my mind to think about. Um, family number one is um, a focus right now and I'm um, being there for them um, and being there for my wife, Sani and, and my son, Paddy. And, and what that looks like rowing is, yes, it's a big part of my life and I've, I've learned so much from it. I've developed so much from it. And at the moment, um, just going to be continuing to, to keep training and, 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 and keep in this backdrop uh, here for as, as much as I can, I can, and just use the the time to um, make some decisions and um, see where that goes. But for the time being, I'm just enjoying being here in Canberra, being with the family. Got the ergo on the patio. I did a a, row, a session with Rhino in his row house yesterday. I'd had to do threshold; it almost killed me, but I really enjoyed it. Jeez, oh, um, it was hard. Um, Not but enjoyable. like just from that side of it, I um, what I'm really passionate about is uh, is is um, supporting younger athletes to sort of really. Um, give them the opportunity to get the best out of themselves because I reflect on me as a 21-year-old. Um, after my first team as a lightweight, I probably drifted away from the sport a bit and, and made the wrong decisions. I wasn't brave enough or I knew how to ask for help. Um, and I'm really passionate about 
the younger athletes having every opportunity to to know how to be successful and how to get the most out of themselves as a rower, but also how to get the most out of themselves as individuals and be be proud of who they are. Well, yeah, and I think sort of um, well for both of you, like you know, you you absolute superstars of our sport and and i think sort of the access and this is what's fun about doing something like this is that you know just giving a bit of insight to the younger athletes of you know your headspace and how you navigated through some pretty challenging sort of parts of an olympic campaign and um but then also just you know what are the basics to getting you know good at you know sport and life and um and you know, it's amazing the two Olympic campaigns you've put together, Cam. I think sort of, you know, both of them have just been awesome to follow and, and sort of your journey as an athlete. And uh, thanks for, you know, jumping on this morning and uh, congratulations. Enjoy, um, yeah, the next sort of part of your life. I'm not putting any pressure on sort of, you know, a Paris campaign. But you've got plenty of great things that you um, can sit back and enjoy at the moment and, uh and then, you know, obviously, I'm sure that anything you put your mind to sort of going forward is going to be successful. But uh, it's been awesome to, you know, follow you. And please, for anyone that hasn't had an opportunity to, I'm sure everyone has, but if but go back and watch it. I've actually, I've turned into a bit of a rowing tragic. I've watched, I've watched both of your races multiple times now. And I think sort of, um, it's just awesome, you know, awesome rowing racing. But um but particularly sort of some of the stuff that occurred during the races and oh, and your quad, yeah. yeah, your quad's ability just to keep it's... its head together and do you know do sort of an awesome job in terms of just staying on it and then picking up the bronze medal at the end was um, was something really special. And I'm glad yeah, you well... celebrated properly. I always love yeah, well... seeing people celebrate properly. So, but well, we are uh, the 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 men's quad and the women's four sort of had some very uh, strong tussles throughout the season of. Of wanting to knock, well, we always wanted to knock the women's four off on prognostics at all the simulation so you got we quietly, us a times. like, yeah, yeah, we know, we we definitely know that. <laughs> but like, we had like they like pick, pick, like this, this sort of like they set the standard of sort of we knew that they were a very a gold medal boat, um, and we want to pin ourselves and our performances on on the consistency of the gold medal performances at the the simulation regattas and what boats were going fast and and the girls, the women's four, like they executed that on a very consistent basis. So us in the men's quad, we knew sort of what the standard needed to be and how we needed to execute that. So I think both both crews sort of in the campaign uh, camp sort of, uh, sort of I think, quietly were going out. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. He's getting to that. He should have driven to the outskirts of nil. Oh, we've just lost Cam. I know he was getting to a significant point there. I think he was just heaping praise on you, Lucy. I know, it was nice. Let's we'll see if we can get back. him back. Um, Hang on. There we go. We'll see whether we can just get him back just to finish off and then we'll let him go. He's probably... I think while you're doing that, it is a really good... Um... Like I know Mick, my boyfriend, said like the men's quad is such a good race to watch because I think sometimes you watch rowing races and it's like you get in front and then you just like it looks really nice from the outside and you just kind of float across the line and win gold. But I think the men's quad is really cool because it's like it's almost like extreme rowing. Like there's crabs, there's like waves, there's so much going on, which makes it a really, really fun race to watch. So I definitely um, agree. Go watch the men's quad. Yeah. Oh, well, I think he's, he's just messaging. Sorry, reception. So... um. But I think we, um, yeah, that was good fun, sort of just hearing the uh, insights. He's, he's a pretty amazing athlete. Oh, he's, and he's, yeah. he's a deep thinker, Cam, in terms of just, like, what's clear is that you can sort of identify how the crews he rows in are really good crew boats, as much as a sculler. And we talked mm. about, you know, he's, you know, the sort of sculling mindset of, you know, being an individual. It's clear that Cam's a... Um, He's a he's a crew guy, and his ability to understand how to get the best of everyone around him is uh, is yeah you know, pretty special, and probably what makes him um, really successful. So, absolutely. Now, well, um, well, I think we can wrap things up there, unless we'll yep. sort of say a quick goodbye to Cam. Can we get that on? Send requests. We might just get him on and say a quick. You know, one last thank you if he can join. But um, oh, here yeah, we go. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
it must have been Good. a bad reception in in this place. They're, someone's <laughs> listening. <laughs> well, I was like, get back to training camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah Next no, session. Been, yeah, no, it's been great being on here, guys. And no, I was just sort of saying that just the um just before was just that sort of that team camaraderie from sort of out between our boat and the and the women's four, like just that sort of um but getting around each other sort of for that really pushing that excellence and how do I sort mm-hmm. of from a crew embrace that for other crews as well like sort of at the end of the day like we're the australian uh rowing team that takes on the world like we're not taking on each other like we're going there to take on on the world and i think that idea of sort of leaning into that idea is um is important and and then being brave enough to give it a go because it's sort of that power i remember back sort of when i first made the team after seven years in 2014 sort of at, at world chance i just sort of sat back and just watched all the successful crews and all the success the successful countries on the water off the water how they carry themselves how they presented i was like there's a reason why those guys are winning the medals or they, those girls are winning the medals and i wanted yeah. i said then i was like i want to be one of those athletes i want to be one of those crews and i want to be on that team that that that, that presents like that yeah yeah well you definitely present that. like that and we had to do that. Like we, we couldn't yeah. go race other countries. So we had to race each other. And I think that that's what the Australian team did so well, you know, looking on paper for our results, considering we didn't have any international racing for almost two years and to come away with medals and, you know, beating the Dutch, like for us, the Dutch had won pretty much every race since Worlds of 2019, which was the last time we beat them. And it's the confidence that we had of being able to prognostically compare ourselves to you guys and other crews that meant that when we went to go back to race the Dutch, we had the confidence that we were like, nah, nah, your winning streak's over. We're coming for it kind of thing. And I think that that was so special about the Oz rowing team for the last 18 months is it really did bring us together these COVID times. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. Well, I think there's some good ingredients for, um, well, it's a short Olympiad, three years. Um, yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Not to say that you guys, but certainly sort of, you know, the, um, well, the lessons that you've learned in the last five years and then the last 18 months in particular, obviously, I think sort of, uh, it makes it, you know, I, I suppose in terms of an Olympic campaign, it makes you realise that you can do things differently and, and, you know, almost sort of simplify things a little bit more in terms of not having to be overseas all the time and you can still go over and get the results. So, um, so once again, thanks, Cam, for uh, joining in. Thanks for having me. Um, session this morning and enjoy the rest of the day in Canberra. And I will. Lucy will, um, good, good tag teaming this morning, Lucy. We'll, um, yeah, we'll uh, jump thanks, into um, next Wednesday. But uh, no, thanks, Cam. Thanks, thanks, Cam. See you guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.